Hey folks, Shag here. Just a quick note before we begin the show. In this episode, David and I discuss the 1993 Skybox Ultraverse comic cards. These are Series 1, the Premier Edition. It's a 100-card set, and we touch on each card in the series. If you'd like to follow along, you can view all of these cards online at the Trading Card Database. We're not affiliated with them, but it's a really great resource. To make it easy, we've created a short link for you. Open a browser and just type ultraversepodcast.com slash cards, C-A-R-D-S. That will automatically redirect you to the trading card database so you can see each card as we discuss them. Then feel free to share your thoughts on these cards, too, via social media. The Ultraverse Network's on Facebook and Google+, and we're on Twitter as the Ultraverse Net. Now, on with the show. Hello, and welcome to the seventh episode of the Ultraverse Podcast, Prime of Your Life, a proud member of the Ultraverse Network. I'm one of your hosts, the Irredeemable Shag. And I'm your other host, David. Just David. Yeah, I got a, I got a new job, Shag, so I'm trying to... You gotta get like go, a, you gotta get like a moniker, like you know. I gotta I'm go back and erase those other episodes. You could be like the the, the, <laughs> the useless David or something like no, that. No, 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 no. Um, so you're the you're the what the uh, irrepressible or what was it again? Uh, yeah, irrepressible. It's exactly right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I will be the. Uh... Yeah. Okay. You keep working on that. Okay. So. Uh, it's been a while since we produced an episode, and I would say it's been since December since we really produced a quote-unquote real episode. Right, right. Well, that was because of your lawyers. Right. The lawyer. I mean, I was tied up. Uh, you were trucking. You were busy trucking across America. Ooh, I gotta, yeah, I gotta make that bank. Yep. So we, uh, <laughs> so we used the CD-ROM to sort of fill the gap. So appreciate your patience through that, folks. Hope you enjoyed them. There's a lot of fun in there, and there's a lot of. Um, Nice snapshot of history. Let's put it that way. It is. It is. It's um. It's like VR. Do you remember virtual reality? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like um. Just a nice. Just a nice piece of nineties. Yeah. There you go. Can you, can you smell the nineties? Mm. Smells like pockets. <laughs> it smells like grunge. <laughs> well, folks. Uh, as we mentioned, this is part of the Ultraverse Network. Uh, as you probably listen on the feed, you also probably check out the Nightman podcast, Freeform Improv in the Dark, by our good buddy Ben Avery. That's yeah. a hell of a show. I'm... Yeah, we got lapped twice by that guy. Oh my gosh, yes. It's been so long since we've got off our butts and done a show that, yes, he has scooped us on two things. Uh, you want to take the first one? Uh, yeah, there was the, uh, I believe it was the one panel half of his face. Yes. <laughs> Spider... It's for sure a Spider Prime. It's Spider Prime in uh, Spider Verse Two. Yes, it's absolutely Spider Prime. And again, as you said, half of his face in like the one little squeezed corner of a panel. It's hilarious. It's like the it's like the Zapruder film of the Ultraverse. You know what I mean? It's a, it's a. <laughs> but hey, he was there. It's some, it's something. It, it took twenty years. <laughs> it counted. So yes, so there is a new comic. Well, by this point, it's a month or two old, but relatively new comic on the stands that features an Ultraverse character. 
Then the next is on the horizon. You know, Marvel's making a lot of noise about Secret Wars. They're doing a new Secret Wars story. Yeah. And they've shown a cover that lists, or not lists, but it shows all these Thors, incarnations of Thor. And two of them, count them, two of them are Ultraverse related. One of them is what they call the Christian Thor, which is basically Donald Blake holding up this giant cross that has like prayer beads on it and stuff. And the other is uh, Thor from, he's like a mashup. Of, of oh, a couple right, of, right. of different versions, and he's he's holding like this giant kind of his hammer, but it's almost like a mallet too. But either way, they're both from the Ultraverse Avengers crossovers. That's so. the whack a mole. That's the whack a mole variant of Thor, right? Yes, that's exactly. Right. That. I think that's what was on the action figure. Whack a mole Thor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so yes, Ben has scooped us on both of those. So congratulations, <sighs> Mr. Ben. Avery. Uh, <laughs> You curse you and your hostess ads, but yeah. In addition to Ben's podcast, you know we've also got Barry Reese's covering Strangers over on our blog, which is what's the website there on that one? That's uh, ultraversepodcast.com. There you go. And uh, but I will say this: uh-huh. I will say that we we are consistently scooped by the nefarious Tom Mason <laughs> over on the. On the Ultraverse Facebook group, which is different than our group. We're right. on Facebook as the Ultraverse Network. Right. And there's another group that we're all part of as well, just called Ultraverse, which is a great place to collaborate and talk with the other fans of the Ultraverse and even a lot of the creators. And Tom is do what, – what, what, what would you say Tom's doing over there? I would say he's a bursting dam. <laughs> like, like every time somebody says, uh, you must have – he has like a prime sense or something because every time somebody posts something, hey, who's that guy in panel seven, page 12 of prime? And then Tom Mason will answer, well, that's this guy. And he was created by X, Y, and Z. And we were going to use him later, but then we didn't. But uh, here is, you know, uh, it's amazing. And uh, yeah. you sound like you're mocking it, but I will tell you that is like. I'm not mocking it. I'm it not is, mocking it. It I'm, is I'm like jealous, the coolest so. thing about that Facebook group is Tom is just amazing. In fact, We're as friends. we go through the today's episode, I asked Tom a question. Uh, before, in preparation for this episode, I said, Tom, and actually I kind of opened up to Tom and, and Chris and yeah, Dave yeah. And, and Jerome and stuff, and I said, I got a question about a character. What can you tell me? And sure enough, they gave me everything we needed to know. So it's great. Yeah, he's, he's like Gary Gygax for that D&D. <laughs> there you go. By the, uh, also, by the way, over on the Ultraverse Network blog, we uh, another gentleman has cha- uh, joined us. And it goes by the nickname of DePluto, and he is covering our collectibles. He does a segment uh, every other week now called "Jumpstart Your Collection," and he talks about you know really That's kind of, yeah talks about different things. This week actually, and depends on when you listen to this episode, but he found an Ultraverse comic book written by Brian Michael Bendis. Yeah, the Angels of Destruction. Yeah, that crazy. is a mixed bag of good and weird. Um, <laughs> well, it's got some Leonard Kirk art, some framing art, which oh, is okay. really nice. Uh, he does the Witch Hunter story, and um, I, I never pronounce this guy's name right, but he always does the sexy robots art. He did the. Uh, Sor- I always call him Soriyama, but I don't know if yeah, that's right now. Yeah, um, and that was one of the, that was the I think penultimate issue of the Ultra of. of that the Ultraverse published. Oh, is right, that right before Future Shock? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Um, that is a mixed ba- it's it's a mixed bag, and it's a uh, Bendis has to tell a story in eight pages, essentially or thereabouts. So um, that's a first. Yeah, it's it's one panel sixty five times. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No. Um, I don't, but, I don't uh, know that you are. <laughs> Well, we uh, we have a lot to talk about for this episode, so why don't we get into it, folks? This time out, um, we are going to yeah. You know, the The format of the show is always going to be a mixed bag, you know. So <laughs> 
<laughs> that didn't come out quite right, did it? No. <laughs> Your quality may vary. Well, yeah, I, I didn't mean it that way. <laughs> I meant that what we talk about varies from episode to episode. It does. So sometimes we're going to talk about comics, sometimes we'll talk about action figures. Tonight, we are going to tackle our first set of Ultraverse trading cards. We're tackling the 1993 Skybox Ultraverse Comic Cards, also known as Series 1 Premier Edition. Woo! Were you now? Did did you buy these when they were when they came out? No, I didn't. In fact, I didn't get them until basically about the time we decided we were going to do the Ultraverse Network. Uh, so six years ago, or in the summer, whichever. <laughs> um, last summer, I got it, and the box has remained sealed, sitting here in my office until uh, about three nights ago. I sat down in almost uh, what felt like a drunken binge. And just ripped open every single pack and uh, got all the cards out and played with them on the floor and separated them and ordered them and stacked them. And then the cellophane wrappers attacked me and uh, I, I woke up, you know, just kind of looking at myself and going, oh, what did I do? What did I do? Did um did you guys, did, did you sell them at your store? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So you remember, you remember, what were they, like $2 a pop or something? I don't remember. I mean, that seems quite reasonable. I mean, it's, it's been so many years, and there were so many trading card series back then. I mean, yeah. there's always a trading card series. So. That was kind of the, uh, the kind of, I guess, yeah, that was kind of the thing at the time. Is oh, yeah. Non-sports trading cards exploded about this time. So, yeah, we, um, we, we would have carried these. I don't remember them specifically, other than, like, the packaging. Like, when I opened the packaging, I'm like, okay, yeah, I kind of remember this, so... The but, silver foil goodness. Oh, yeah. Now, you know what made me sad was when I was opening it, if they had just come with a stick of gum. I could have been chewing 20-year-old rock-hard gum. That would have yeah, been yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah, you're in, yeah. You're in Florida, so that means you probably have, what, four teeth total that are still yours? Um. Well, I mean, they, they give you loners and stuff. From your grandpa, you just kind of ply them out and then stick them in your mouth? I'm, I meant the dentist, but okay. Oh, oh. <laughs> Because we got them, their dentists down here too. No, you don't. Yeah, I think you're confusing us with Alabama. But anyway, Oklahoma. Didn't you see Miami Vice? We all have teeth. We're very, we're very pretty down here. You are gorgeous, Shag. I am. I am. So um, I don't know the exact release date of these card series, but if you look in the very first month of comics, you know, Prime and Hardcase, there's right. ads for this trading card series. They're well on their way to figuring out what they were going to do. So I got to assume the card series had to come out very close to that first wave. Right. You know, so I'm I'm going with the assumption they came out in June '93. Yeah, you know, I wish I'd I'd, I'd had the cards as they debuted because, uh, as we'll get into later, there's a lot of characters that are introduced. Mm-hmm. That I guess I, I guess you could think of the the card set as kind of a tease for the Ultraverse because there was a lot of uh, I mean, there wasn't any forecasting or anything like that. They're not giving away any big big uh, storylines that Ooh, I disagree well hang on but there are characters that you you may never see you know what I mean there are oh, yeah. or, uh, that don't quite jive with what you end up seeing yep so it's interesting that this was a it's almost like a um, I don't know what you call it but kind of like a like a rough draft I guess of what they thought the Ultraverse was going to be like in a few months yeah no that's that's a good way to put it yeah because as you mentioned there's characters that that don't make it there's characters that are slightly different and then there is uh, stuff that's revealed six months in advance. I yeah. mean, there, there is, there's a couple major things in here. I mean, I, I don't, this is not a big spoiler to people listening, but I mean, um, there's some stuff in here that doesn't come out until Breakthrough. 
which was six right. months into the into the line. So, I mean, if you read this card series and you were able to put, you know, four and six together and get two, you'd be like, oh, I see where this is going. But what? Well, speaking of uh, breakthrough, let's get a breakdown of the. Uh of the cards. Sure, sure. Uh, you, they broke it down in different little categories. And I'll be honest, as I was opening the cards, it was confusing as hell to me. It really was. <laughs> like, Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can see why. Well, I'm opening, I'm like, how come I have three different Nightman cards? What is that about? Why? You know, I didn't understand. I, I was honestly having a hard time putting it together until I got out my nine pocket loaders. I found in the closet a box of, you know what nine pocket loaders are? Yeah. Okay. Uh, no, no, what are they? Well, for those at home that don't know, it's basically a plastic sheet. It's um, about the size of a sheet of paper, and it has nine pockets in it, and you slide your little cards in there so you can look at nine cards at a time. It's kind of the way people collected trading cards in the 90s. I assume they still do. I don't. I know they sell trading cards. I'm, Maybe there's some magical way to store them nowadays. I don't know. Um, it, which is called like a shoebox, probably. But, <laughs> but uh, so I, I, once I started putting them in the nine pocket loaders, it all started to make more sense. Because you're right, it is broken down into categories. The first category is Ultra Human Heroes, and that's 45 cards of the set. Of the, it's a hundred card set, by the way. So that's right. almost half your set right there. Is ultra the basic human. set? Yes. Yes. Ultra. Yeah. Ultra Human Heroes. Then the next section is Ultra Human Villains, which is 27 cards. Then you get into Origins, which is 9 cards, and Titles, which is 9 cards, and Culture, which is 9 cards. You can see those are cleverly broken up for those that are using the 9 pocket loaders. And you get a checklist. Oh! You just picked that up, huh? Well played, Ultraverse. Well played. Uh, I think you can probably thank Skybox for that, probably. Well played, Skybox. Yep. Then, Then you get into the bonus cards. There are there with the uh, the bane of every collector's existence. Oh, the chase cards. Yeah, you got to get your chase cards. So you get the rookie cards, and there's nine of those, and you'd get basically seven of those in a box. So seven rookie cards for every 36 packs you open is kind of the theory. Then you get your ultimate rookie cards, which are basically the same as a rookie card, but it's got a little they're named in foil stamp, <laughs> which is uh, there's four of those. And that's one out, one out of every 18 packs, so you get two in a box, basically. And then the Ultraverse Ultra Card, which is, there's two different ones of those, Prime and Hardcase. And there are these basically sort of etched foil cards, because, you know, that was the rage in the 90s. It was. And, and you basically would get one of those per box. Now, Can I tell, tell you, you my, my biggest disappointment in this set, as we talk just right now? What's that? Well, number one, no I did not... No holograms? Uh, no. Uh, Ultraverse Ultra Cards, Prime and Hardcase, not Mantra. You know, I, and that's one of the things I was going to mention as we go through this is I don't real I don't think they realized Mantra was going to be such a breakout character. Shadow on title. So what? I mean, think uh. about it. In the history of comics to this point, female-led titles didn't typically sell. And they, I mean, DC was always struggling to sell Wonder Woman. But she's a man. <laughs> she's a man, baby. Yeah. So oh, um, God. so yeah, I could see. I, well, we'll talk about it in a minute. But I'm so mad. I'm still mad at this goddamn set. <laughs> wow! Yeah. Wow! Smack down with the curse words there. So I will tell you when I opened my box the other night. You know they say in theory you'll get um, two ultra rookie cards, which are the foil stamp ones for right. case. Sure enough, I got two. They tell you you're going to get you a one ultraverse ultra card, which is the etched foil one, one per box. Sure enough, I only got one. And then yep. the rookie cards, they tell you you're going to get seven. I got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Ah, eight! I got eight of Good. them. I scooped them. Good. I'm missing off, one. I, I I'm missing my favorite. So I don't, don't have, have oh, you know, I don't have mantra either in the chase cards. So well, we'll get to all that in a bit. So um, we're talking, you know, 
statistics and, and ratios. I'm sure it's very exciting <sighs> for people. So yeah. Now I will say the the first thing that strikes me about these cards. What's what's Malibu known like? Not the most for, but what is Malibu sort of famous for? Jump starting the coloring. Exactly right. The digital coloring. And I got to say, I mean, the coloring isn't horrible or anything in this, but compared to what you would see in the comics, this is right. kind of disappointing. Well, let me ask you. I mean, you're assuming Malibu I, – I guess we really don't know how much production – how much of the production Malibu, uh, Malibu um, had in this, right? Right. I mean, you, you, obviously Malibu is involved in creating the artwork. I mean, that's, right. that's, that's obvious. But as far as, you know, the, the, like you said, the coloring and the final production, yeah, I don't know. I just yeah, don't know. It is not, um, it's very 90s kind of looking. Like if, if, but the, yeah, we can, the coloring isn't, isn't as appealing as it ends up, of course, in the comics themselves. Yeah. So. Now, it could be that, you know, maybe Malibu, well, no, they, they had coloring down pretty good right out of the start with that, because they had been doing other titles, so. Either way, that, that is one thing that's sort of disappointing, is that, you know, you would expect, the, the the trademark Ultraverse amazing colors, and it, this is a little, not lackluster, but it's just, it doesn't jump off the page. It ain't up to snuff. Yep, yep. So, all right, in general, we're going to kind of now start talking about the cards. Yep. In general, um, the, you know, when when, you, when we talk about a Freaks card, you know, the character Freaks, Free X. Free X. Most of the time, that art's done by Walt Simonson in the trading card series, which is nice. Most of the firearm cards are done by your buddy. Howard Chagan. Yep, yep. Most of the Nightman cards are done by Derek Robertson, Mr. Breakout Artist, who went on to big time with the with the boys. Um, then most of the Prime artwork is done by Norm Brayfogle. A lot of the Strangers artworks by Rick Hoberg. A lot of the Solitaire artworks by Jeff Johnson. A lot of the Prototype artworks by David Ammerman. And those are all kind of the folks that were associated with either the the creation of the character, the design of the character, or right. the first few issues of the book. So that all kind of makes sense. Now, in general. We don't have a guide who drew all these cards. Unless they signed them? Right, exactly. Yeah. Unless they signed them or the art is really obvious. You know, like, you can spot a Chaken card a mile away. You know, you can spot a Simonson card a mile away, even if right. the signature's not there. Um, so, some of them, we have no idea who the artist is, and that's actually a project uh, DePluto and I are kind of working on. We, we want to eventually put together a list of all the artists for this, which is going to be kind of fun for us, because, you know, we're type A, po- type a, type a positive, type A uh, type people, and super nerdy, I guess. But, so, as we go through it, we'll talk about some of the ones, some of the artists, and we're not going to talk, we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about every card. I mean, that's 100 cards, we'd be here forever. If anybody uh, is familiar with the Fire and Water podcast that I'm on, we do a Who's Who show. I kind of see this as sort of like a covering this sort of like a Who's Who, you know, without a lot of detail. Does that seem to make sense, David? It does. Okay. It does. Did you notice on the back of every card, or not every card, but the back of the majority of the cards, the character cards, they list a power chart, and they list different categories. Each character is rated by strength, agility, energy projection, combat skills, and all of these are basically on a scale of 1 to 10. And so it's almost like a Marvel set where you can kind of compare, oh, who's stronger, Hulk or the thing? You know, whatever. And then, then there's a fifth category called Cool Factor, and every single character has the same score in Cool Factor. It's a scale of 1 to 10. They've all got a 12. <laughs> <laughs> they, don't, they, they go beyond 11. Which right, I, I would, exactly. I appreciate, I, I appreciate them uh, trumping the Spinal Tap joke. <laughs> exactly, exactly, so... All right, let's, um... Go, what were you going to say? You're going to say something. That's very 90s that it even has a cool factor, isn't it? Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
You know what it is sort of... All right, we mentioned the mantra thing. Not a lot of mantra representation. I think that's because at that time they didn't realize she was going to be such a breakout character. To and be not- fair, her first... I don't mean to cut you off, but to be fair, her first few issues dealt with kind of the same people. <laughs> I mean, it was... Um, it was you know, she, you know, she she had Boneyard. She had... Um, it was a guy named Notch or something like that. Yeah, and Notch, then there was, yeah. Um, Psychedelia and War Strike. So she had a very tight circle that began to expand, but Boneyard was certainly the guy who kind of carried the, I guess, the the big bad vibe of the of of her book, really. Well, a lot of it came down to you know Adam Hughes and Terry Dodson. Really, is what made that book so popular. Right, right. But I just mean in terms of why her cast characters would be far, far, far smaller than anybody else's. Also interesting to note here, uh, this is prior to the inclusion of Rune in the Ultraverse. Right. Because, you know, very early on, Rune became a thing. Well, he's featured, he's the guy on, I think, all the, he's certainly heavily featured in the second. Ah, uh, see, okay, that makes sense. Okay. All right, well, let's just tackle this in sort of nine pay, nine cards at a time. Okay. that, you know, convenient for me. <laughs> One through nine is awesome. <laughs> yes, one through nine is pretty darn good. We're looking at anything from the freaks by Walt Simonson. We're looking at uh, is it Arch Image or just Arch Mage? I would say Arch. I would say Arch Image. Arch Image. We'll go with Arch Mage. Yep. Yep. Arch. Arch. <clears throat> yeah, that guy whose name I can't say. Uh, it was a man, he's a mantric mentor. Yep. Then you've got Adam Bob, who looks to be done by Rick Hoberg. You've got the Bash Brothers by Don Simpson. You've got Inflame by uh, I'm not sure who does that one there. Inflame, yeah, something like that. Boom Boy from the uh, well, sorry, uh, Inflame is by the way Amber Hunt from the Exiles. We'll talk. She about looks shakeny to me. She does look very shakeny, actually. I would agree with that completely. Then and we'll come back and touch on the, uh, each of these a little bit in a second. Boom Boy by Walt Simonson from the Freaks or Free X. Catapult from the Exiles. Choice from uh, Hardcase and Deadeye from Exiles. So again, we don't know all the artists on these. I'm just trying to look here, and can we tell any of the other artists here? Um, well, Boom Boy, Simonson. Yep. And then Bash Brothers by Don Simpson. Don Simpson. Don Simpson. Don Simpson. Thank you. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, so uh, a couple interesting things. You know, anything is there in his giant worm form which he didn't really start doing until a little ways into the Freak series. He started off just kind of making himself waves and stuff. He didn't turn into the worm thing until later. So it's kind of interesting they show us that early on. Oh, but what a great drawing by Simonson. Oh, my gosh, it's gorgeous. Absolutely. What, what, what do I kick off his series? Card one. Not that you start with card one necessarily, but, you know. When, yep. It's a, yeah. It's, a, it's an awesome image. Our Archmage looks great. You know, you can see the magic potential coming out of him. I, the artwork is actually very pretty on that card. It's very nice. Adam Bob is interesting. I'm sorry, what were you going to say? You can see the magic. Well, just, he's, he's got the stuff coming off his hands. I mean, right, they, right. They, they made an effort to draw the magic, is you know, what I meant to say. But it's a good, No, I like your turn of phrase, though. <laughs> Adam Bob. I was reading his card. I didn't know. This. It says whenever he uses his powers, it drains his life force. Did, didn't, I, I don't remember that being a thing. I don't remember that being a thing either. So but that may have been something. Him. That may have been something they put in here that just never came to be, or whatever. Or we just don't remember strangers well enough. One or the other. Bash Brothers is very interesting to me because it, Don Simpson is not known for working on the Ultraverse. Right. He's known for working on Megaton Man. And then here, the Bash Brothers, they ended up in this card series. So again, this card series we're saying is June '93. They didn't premiere until Sludge number 10, which is like a year later. So what I suspect happened was they were designed to be in the Ultraverse, Ultraverse, 
and they just kind of went into inventory. And Steve Gerber just grabbed them off the shelf and used them in a sludge issue, I think. It, yeah, yeah, and, and certainly visually, they're the most, they, they're kind of outliers in this entire series. Yes, they are. Right. Well, it's because it's his, his Simpsons artwork style. And also, it's strange that they're heroes. That's just odd, you know? Oh, the, yeah. Well, you know, to me, if if they were a, a Gerber, I guess, um, I guess co-design or, um, if, if if they were a co-creation by Gerber, it makes sense because it they they do seem ludicrously ludicrously nineties. Yeah. With the armor, the chains, the giant guns, the padding. You know, we, we um, could do, we could do a better tail. job describing them. Yeah. So they're shirtless, and as he as, like, like as, us right now. Right. Uh, exactly. And in fact, you look a lot like the guy on the left. But anyway, so they're shirtless. They've got as, as David said, a lot of chains, a lot of padding, giant you know spikes shields on their hands and big guns and their one guy's bald the other one's got a mostly a shaved head except for a ponytail that's very, you th- sure right just like my ponytail they're very extreme they look like mad balls with bodies they really do that's a great description actually <laughs> it really is so they are definitely an outlier yeah but just uh but if 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 it's a if it's a steve gerber thing i'm in on the joke there we go. Okay. Then we'll move on to Inflame. Now, it's Amber Hunt in her costume that we saw in Exiles. But I don't really think... Did, was she ever actually given the name Inflame? I think she was kind of a Jean Grey type where she was just Amber Hunt. Well, Jean Grey was Marvel Girl. But later. Oh, okay. You know, she was yeah. just, like, after she dropped the Phoenix thing. It was that's like, true. Yeah. yeah, I don't think she ever took on the name Inflame. So that's interesting. That was their plan for her. So and I wonder if at that point maybe they hadn't decided to cancel Exiles with number four yet. Maybe at that point they were still thinking, well, when we launch Exiles... You know, maybe it'll be an ongoing, you know, effort. Or, or maybe they knew that she would be one of the characters that carries over through through the Ultraverse, but they just never really got around to using her until much later. Yeah, could be. So, and Boom Boy, of course, is uh, you know, he's kind of a st- all all made of stone, and here he's dressed in sort of street togs. You know, he's got a, a big jacket and a and a, and a you know a toque to keep him warm. <laughs> and it's it's Walt Simonson. He's guy. He's just thundering towards you, which looks great. Why can't we just have a series of cards by Walt Simonson? Well, you probably could. I bet there's a Thor series out there. Like, I'm sure Comic Images probably did a Thor series that are just snapshots uh, from his Thor run, probably. Get out of my get out of my uh, dreams and into my car, Walt Simonson. <laughs> there's a great catapult image. He's from the Exiles, you know. Right. Um, I, I feel like I should know who this artist is, and it's just on the tip of my mind, but I can't. He looks like Chaken. It does look a little Chaken-esque, doesn't it? So. All right, but Catapult, Catapult looks great from the Exiles, and he's the guy who leaps and has the the flowery language and sort of blues and grays. Then, then we get to Choice, who who's is, supposed to be stunning. She's supposed to be one of the most beautiful women on the planet, and that didn't come together on this card a lot. <laughs> it depends on the planet, I guess. <laughs> and and the artist did sign there. I just can't quite make it out. I'm gonna I'm like an old man. I need my readers, I think, or something to see what that is. I can't tell. Well, it's when you flip it, when you flip the card over and you see the uh, her power chart photo that she's not as as uh, as spokesmodelly as as she would as she would have as as the description would have. You as believe. we are led to believe, yes, that's true. <laughs> and then uh, and Choice wears a, a white and sort of purple funky jumpsuit, sort of a tight jumpsuit. It's look. a unitard. Yeah, that's the word. Um, with the uh, black widow light bracelets. Yep. Starburst uh, belt design and. Uh, Lots of cleave, and then a choker. And as David indicated, she is the sp- spokesperson for the Choice Corporation. So, and her name is Choice. Yep. And she's and uh, she got powers like Ultra Boy, if I recall, right? Kind of. She has to say them before she. Yeah, can she use has them. to say them to use them. That's right. They don't say anything Light. about that. They don't say anything about that here, but yeah. 
So, and the final character on this on this page is Dead Eye, who's I I love Dead Eye. He's like to me, he's the ultimate '90s guy. You know, he's got the mohawk. He's got his right eye is completely cybernetic. He's got bandoliers of weapons. He's covered in pouches and guns, and and he's got a goatee. And he seems like a joke to me, but I don't believe he is. He he's just so '90s, Dead Eye. So I, I just I think that's hilarious. That cracks me up. So all right. We're going to move on, because there's uh, being 100 cards, we don't have a lot of time to spend on every character, nope. so we're going to keep going. Next set of nine cards, we're still in the Ultra Heroes here, is Twilight by P. Craig Russell. Beautiful. Dr- yep. Dropkick, um, Electrocute, Firearm, Requiem, Grenade. Well, I, sh- I should tell where they're from. Twilight from nothing. Dropkick from the Solution. Electrocute from the Strangers. Firearm from Firearm. Requiem from nothing, you'll see in a second. Grenade from Strangers, Hard Case from Obvious, Lady Killer from The Strangers, and Lava also from Nothing. So this is an interesting set of nine cards, because you've got three characters here that never appeared in the Ultraverse. They appeared in this trading card series, but never actually made it to the comics. It's a strange idea, really, when you get down to it. Well, at this point, though, they knew that they were launching this card series, and they only had two books on the shelves at this point, right? So they knew there were a bunch of books to be rolled out. They knew Sludge was still several months away. I mean, they, they were planning for it, and so they figured these stuff would just get rolled into it somewhere, and it just, in the scheme of things, didn't come together. It's very understandable from a business plan kind of thing. Sure. But we get to hold in our hands beautiful drawings by P. Craig Russell of Twilight, which is an interesting character. He um, He's connected to another character named Gaunt, who we'll get to in a little bit, who did actually make a one-panel appearance. But <laughs> Twilight is, he has these illusion-based powers, and he created something, essentially brought something into reality that ended up killing his own mom. It was really horrible, tor- tor- very torturous sort of character. Would have been interesting to read about. He's got sort of a, a purple outfit with a really interesting cloak. It's got clouds on one side and all kinds of crazy symbols on the other. Basically, he would give Shade the Changing Man a run for his money in Bizarre Costume uh, Department. Technicolor Costume Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's P. P. Craig Russell, so you know it's gorgeous. Then you get Dropkick, who is the martial artist character of the solution. You know, He's kind of coming at you. He's got the glowing fist. He's got the speed lines. A little bit of rah going on. (laughs) Electrocute, who I... It looks... Is that a Chaken? Or... Um, uh, Or... Just not an it looks like Robertson to me. Oh, you think that's Robertson? Look at if you look at the um, the back card, the uh, the uh, yeah oh, power that chart art. That does look like Robertson, doesn't? Yes, could I be. believe it is. Could be. Ask him. Well, I guess we could do that. Yeah. So then you get firearm by your boy Howard Chagan. Yup. Interesting that uh, firearm is not holding his trademark gun. And might I also say it does not bear any resemblance to Bruce Willis. Yes, he does. So do you know what the deal with Requiem is, this next card, by Jerry Bingham? This great Jerry Bingham art? No. You don't know what this is? This is Firearm. As you say, well, what? Jerry Bingham did, as I understand it, did some Firearm designs that never came to be. And this is one of them. And so they just repurposed that artwork for Requiem. And then they just threw a backstory on him? Yeah, they fused it with a demon character from The Solution, is what they did. So, isn't that interesting? So he's he's basically he's got like you know a brown leather jacket and he's got a shirt with the the Ghostbuster red circle or the no smoking red circle thing with all these you know bandages going across and he's got a giant knife that looks like he's going to cut his own inner thigh and uh, he's got lots of guns and his left arm is skeletal his right half of his face is skeletal and, and a leg brace yeah as I understand it this was originally a firearm design a design for the book or this was firearm I don't have a lot of info on it. Okay. So, you know, if, if Tom, if you're listening, we need we need some answers. 
then you get Grenade, who is the most unfortunately costumed character of the Strangers. Um, <laughs> he's got like that mattress padding shirt, you know, then his uh, bare midriff and the black tight pants. Um, of all the characters, his, his is the one that probably needed the most costume design. I would say that uh, Lady Killer, you know, owed him an apology. So. <laughs> so. Then we get into Hard Case. Obviously, the art for Hard Case is done by the same artist who did um, Choice. That's clearly the same artist. It's just like, 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 uh, like somebody who entered a Jim Lee art contest, doesn't it? It does, yeah. Looks like someone is emulating that style. That's true. Yeah. Then you get Lady Killer, which is just hotter than hell. I don't know who drew that. Robertson. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that is Robertson. Just oof. Lady Killer is from The Strangers. And she's the one who, she wears a lot of uh, black and fishnet and throwing. Leather. Yep. That's, that's. And just, chains and. That's seriously studs. Right there. That's, I might need a minute. Wow. Okay. Then the final one is lava. Let me ask you this, Shag. Yes. Do you need a safety word when you look at this card? <laughs> We're moving on. Then we get to lava, who's one of my favorite cards in the whole set. I don't know if Jerome K. Moore drew this particular card or not. But Jerome K. Moore is responsible for the design of this character. They actually posted right. it on um, the Facebook group a while back. Tom Mason posted the picture of this armor that's used for Lava. Because Lava never appeared in the comics, by the way. And so here's the design that Jerome K. Moore did. And they weren't really sure what it was from. They thought, you know, the speculation was that it was tied to prototype. Because it definitely looks like a prototype type armor. But no one was exactly sure. It looks like uh, Chaken to me again, again, actually. Oh, I don't think that's Chaken. There's no well, if, here's why. Uh, when it's you not, look, a, when it's not a porn star, so... Well, no, no, but the... Uh, remember the times Chaken was one of the few artists using kind of a te- kind of um, visual textures in his work? Zipatone, if you will. Yeah? This has this has that, and it looks like a Chaken eye. Where do you see Zipatone? On the, on, the, on, the, on the reverse of the card. On the reverse of the card. Yeah, the back. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, there's Zipatone there, but that that's not checking. You're just wrong. Okay. Other people okay. other people could afford Zipatone. How dare you? <laughs> anyway, I love this character. The gist of it is he is sort of like prototype, but he got trapped in his ultra ultra tech armor. It 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 fossilized on him and or petrified, I should say. And he's stuck inside the armor, but he doesn't mind is what the back of the card says. So, but the character never appeared in the comics. So whether he was always intended to be this lava character or some version of prototype, we don't know. But it's a totally badass looking picture, and I'm this this picture and the Jerome K. Moore uh, version will appear on our website at some point. I'm going to do as a follow up to this episode. <laughs> Why are you laughing? I love that. Oh yes, you will see these pictures. You will. See, I'm not going to post all hundred cars, but uh, I'll give you a link to where you can see all hundred. By the way, yeah, you know, in our show notes, we're going to leave you a link where you can see all one hundred of these cards if you want. They someone posted them online. Someone actually took the time to sit there and scan every card. They're a better person than me. They scanned uh, well a hundred cards essentially. Yeah. Plus, yeah, plus. Yeah. Well, the backs of every card too. Right. So, but uh, we're going to do a feature on the on the blog at some point, uh, a little bit down the line, which is going to feature all the characters in this card set that didn't make it into the comics. So, Lava will be one of them. So, you'll see that. All right, then we're coming up on the next nine cards, still in the Ultra Heroes. Uh, Mantra, you may have heard of her. Is that a Terry Dodson? That is, is a Terry Dodson, yep. Okay. It's, it's, but yet it doesn't really feel like it, but it is. And uh, she's got brown hair in this photo, in, yep. this, photo, or in this drawing. Then, um, it's very cheesecake. It is very cheesecake. You get to see her thong, you get to see lots of the cleavage. Her armor thong. Yep. So yep. I'm, I'm going to run through the characters real quick, then we'll come back. Uh, you get Mustang from the Exiles. You get Nightman from the Obvious. Outrage from the Solution. Plug from the Freaks. 
Pressure from the Freaks, Prime, obvious, Prototype, obvious, and Veil, who I believe had like a one-panel appearance in Prototype. So Right. Okay, so Mantra, so you're saying this is not very representative of your girl. Oh, it is. I mean, but uh, I'm saying it for, for Dodson's work, it, it doesn't, even for early Dodson, it doesn't quite feel like Dodson, if that makes sense. Well, that, could, that might be the inker. Yeah, I was going to say, there's an inker here. It looks like the name's Kramer, maybe. Yeah. So that could be part of Kramer. it. Yes, yeah, it's, it's Seinfeld's neighbor. That's right. So uh, Then you get Mustang, which is done by an artist named um, Haynes. And it's Mustang. He is just, energy is pouring off of him to the point where he's actually kind of hard to, to make out. He, he, he generates a lot of electrical energy. So he's sort of hard to make out as the energy's pouring off of him in this photo. The, the night- ill-fated Mustang. It's a faded Mustang. Okay. I said ill-fated. Oh, ill-fated. Oh, I thought you were yeah. making fun of the car. Oh, uh, oh, no. Yes. Then you get the awesome Derek Robertson Nightman photo, or image, which looks great. It's before... This is early Nightman, so his cape isn't tattered yet. You know, he's still... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's still sort of looking like the pristine, clean hero. He's not on his on his path to descend that Riordan, Rhiannon brings him down. So look at look, that mane, Shaq. Look at that mane. I had hair like that when I was young. <laughs> no, you didn't. I totally did. Okay. So, then you get Outrage, and, you know, I didn't get a chance to look up that artist, but I know those initials, KJ. Um, it's very Madeira-looking, kind of, right? It's a nice drawing of Outrage. Yeah. It's, it's him. It, in the solution, like, there's that giant guy who turns into the big gray monstrous thing, and then yeah, he has, like, a human form. And um, this is the humanish form of him, which is kind of weird because I think they get this backwards. They've got Outrage in here, and later on they've got Verk in here. They've got both. I think this is actually the Verk form of the character, isn't he it? He looks far more sinister than Outrage has ever portrayed in the book. Yeah. He does look sort of demonic. Yeah, he's kind of hunched over, and he's got these like spiked shoulder pads and big swords and stuff, um, standing on, crushing these bones beneath him. He does look like a villain, and yet he's he's sort of the... he. I think he was supposed to be like the bad boy guy of the team that you're supposed to like, like the Wolverine yeah. of the team. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Then you get Plug by Walt Simonson, looking good. I mean, kind of interesting. Overweight teenager whose ability is computers, so here they're sort of demonstrating <laughs> that with uh, light lens flares. I think that is what that's actually supposed to be. I thought, oh, yeah, I guess I, I guess, I guess that's information he's... It's something like that, yeah. I think that's what that is. So, okay. packets of info. Then you get Pressure, who's, uh, she's another one of the freaks, another Walt Simonson image, and she's, you know, her hands are boiling over with energy. Interesting note on her, on the back of her card, it does mention a subplot thing. It says that she's going to be the first to turn against her teammates. Right. Did that happen? Um, she did sort of abandon the team early on, but I don't, she didn't, I don't know that she really turned against them. You know what? Cool factor of 12. That well, there you go. (laughs) <laughs> then you got a, a gorgeous Norm Brayfogle prime image. I mean, he just looks great. He's flying up in the air with this. I love it. He's got the number one finger up like, I'm number one. It's awesome. It is great because, and then you flip the card and it's a completely different uh, attitude from the character. Yeah. Because he's, he's got the um, very kind of uh, Schuster-esque Superman. He's got a determined sewer her- heroic look, yeah. Yeah, and then, but on the front, it's just a guy, a little kid in a man's body loving life. Yep. It really captivates the character quite well. And that giant cape. And it's funny, Prime's cape always looks great un- until they made an action figure of it. And oh. then it's like, the cape is absolutely representative of how it looks in the comics, but it just doesn't work in real life. <laughs> so it makes you realize how ridiculous Prime's cape like is. Kind of like Spawn. Yeah, right? it's a little bit like Spawn's cape. cape, yeah. Then you get Prototype by Emmerman, the guy who drew the first few issues of the series. This um, is a weird-looking drawing, Shag. Yeah, you know, Emmerman, I hate, I'm not trying to be rude, but he, he had a rough start. 
Um, like sometimes some of his stuff would look great, and other times it would, it would look a little rough. Like we think we talked about that when we covered prototype number one. There were certain panels that were awesome, and others that looked like were rushed. They, these prototype ones look rushed, especially the image on the back. Um, right, yeah. they're not very dynamic, and yeah. yeah. So. And then finally, Vale, who again, I'm pretty sure she's the one who murders Galare. Yep. In in prototype, but that's about all we see here. But the interesting thing is, she's in the Ultra Hero section here. She's a great-looking character, too. Yeah, I mean, she looks a little bit like um, Maxima from DC. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All purple with orange highlights and stuff and red hair. But um, I just it's interesting. At this point, I don't think they knew what they were going to do with the character, so she's listed as a hero here. I think or what maybe. ended up happening was she probably went into inventory, and then they used her for that story, would be my guess. Oh, they did. You know what it might, this might be? In some – a rush to copyright things, too. <laughs> you know, you know, what, know I mean? what? You make a good point. Because check this out. No, I interrupted you. What, did you have something? No, no, else? no. no. I was just thinking because, because we had it. Oh, <laughs> because we, you know, we had such a glut of comic companies. Not glut, but there was a flood of comic companies just coming out with with, with tons of ideas and, and characters. And I'm, I'm sure there there was probably like a, a trademark war for some of these guys. These names. I mean, you know, a lot of their names aren't that unique. You know what I mean? Like prototype, no. um, ranger, as he's coming up. So. Well, in, in the 90s, anything that had blood or um, strike right. or anything like that, yeah, they were all rushing, or death, they were rushing to get the name out there with that character. Certainly Different different spellings. Yep. But, uh, so check this out. I think you may be right, because the one thing I forgot to mention was, all these characters are in alphabetical order, right? But every so often, you order. get a character or two that just show up completely out of alphabetical order. Twilight was completely out of alphabetical order. Requiem, completely out of alphabetical order. Um, so, and interesting because those two characters never appeared in the books. So it's almost like that was, as you mentioned, either a filler or, or, I'm sorry, as you mentioned, was a, a copyright issue. Maybe they're just like, oh, we gotta get this idea out there. So they just shoved it in wherever they could. But it's just weird that Twilight and Requiem would both be out of alphabetical order, and so was Vale. Vale was out of alphabetical order as well. But she's in the family of Prototype Vale and Ranger and. Sure, yeah, that's true. Yeah. And Requiem was in the family of Firearm. So right. that makes sense. Yeah, I'll give you that. Huh, maybe there's something to that. All right, well, up next is uh, the next set of cards. Ranger from Prototype. Tech Knight from, um, I think, Nightman. Uh, Coyote, who ended <laughs> from, it became a Warstripe character. Shadow Mage from The Solution. Slayer, who was uh, ultimately a Warstripe character, or um, Wrath character, sorry. Sludge, obvious. Solitaire, obvious. Spectral from the Strangers, and Squad from the Hard Case characters. So, uh, going back, Ranger again by Ammerman, the guy who drew the Prototype series. This one looks a little better. You know, yeah. he's, he's got his tech down on this one. I, I like this card. This I is, agree. And this is sort of a reveal early on too. This is Bob Campbell after he gets his working suit going in the Prototype series. So I don't think we even see Ranger or hear the name for a while into the prototype series. I mean, we always know from issue one that he's building something, but I don't know that we get something. Oh, is this the thing? This is one of the suits he was wearing, or some, ah. at least some version of the suit he, uh, he ended up wearing, yeah. so Now, Tech Knight, I had to do a little research on Tech Knight. I'm, I found, I've never read any War Strike or... I thought he was a Strangers guy. Well, I, well here's the thing. I've never read any uh, War Strike or Wrath, and it seems like every character I didn't know either never appeared in the comics or was in one of those two series. According to the research I did, Tech Knight um, appeared in Nightman, actually. And this is, um, that's that's what it said. And, and I don't think he was in much. 
There, there's two versions of Tech Knight. Is this the one with the the Goths and all that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So apparently, back in 451 AD, Attila the Hun swept into Gaul, and there was the Visigoths and all this stuff, and the the spirit got trapped in the armor. And so this is actually version two of Tech Knight. There's a different version of Tech Knight as well, and I think they both were featured very minorly. So, but the weird thing I, is, it's listed here as a hero. I seem to remember him being a member of the Strangers toward the very end of the book, but like on the team or just a on the team. Seriously. Oh, okay. There we go. Now, see, I, I've only read so far. I mean, obviously, I've read a lot of the books over the years, but recently, I'm, I'm doing a, a read through, and I've read every book up through Breakthrough. So, and this is where you know my knowledge starts to get sketchy, though, because again, that's where War Strike or Wrath starts. I don't remember which one. Some W book. I gotta, I gotta start reading those and get back into it. All right. So we talked about Tech Knight, uh, Coyote, Coyote. Quixote. Okay, thank you. Was a War Strike character. He looks really cool. Very interesting guy riding like a flying motorcycle, and he's you know thinks sees himself as a modern day kind of Don Quixote, slaying yeah. his own dragons and stuff. Apparently, he barely appeared in War Strike. That's too bad because he's a great. He has a great look, and I, I yeah, he's a really interesting looking character. Yeah. So would you would you say that's a, a Robertson drawing? Maybe I. You know what? I I thought it might have been Gene Ha, or uh, it kind of looks kind of Kyle Bakerish. The um maybe the the insert photo but I, uh, insert photo sorry insert illustration yeah. but okay. I, I I can't tell but it's, it's super but, fun you know it could be even Jerome K Moore but it does have a cool factor of twelve it might be Jerome K Moore there's a lot of detail in there okay you can ask him I could then where you would get... you find him <laughs> <laughs> yes we've established that then yeah. you get Shadow Mage um I don't know how, how do you say this guy's name um the guy Hong Wen thank you the guy who drew a lot of solution um not the Mm-mm. greatest picture of Mm-mm. her Mm-mm. what Nope. <laughs> so we'll just move on. Don't want to belabor it. Then Slayer, we get. Um, I don't know if this drawing was done by Jerome K. Moore, but at least this design was. Slayer really jumped out at me when I was going through this card set because oh, he, he looks awesome. First of all, he looks awesome. The drawings are all very sharp, and he has got three different cards in this series. He's got this card under Heroes. He's got a card under the Origin set. The Origin series, which by the Origins, almost all of them are characters that had their own books, and yet Slayer's in there. So that stood out. Then he's got one of those chase cards in the back, too. So I'm like, who is this guy? Why is oh, he fe- featured? What's that? You didn't read the Slayer series that ran longer than any of the, than any other of the <laughs> other Malibu books? Very good. Thank you. See, that's where I'm scratching my head going, what is going on? So I looked him up. He barely appeared in the comics. He was only in, like, Wrath number three, and that was it. So I'm like, there's got to be more to this. So I went to the message board, and I asked Tom Mason. I said, hey, guys. Uh, I said, there's a lot of uh, stuff about Slayer you know, in this series. It seems like he was going to be a big deal coming on this trade card series. What can you tell us? So Tom Mason responded. Um, I'm going to read what he wrote. There's quite an extensive two-page background on Slayer in the Ultraverse Bible, version 1.4, from 1992. Slayer was a character that had been kicking around the Malibu offices pre-Ultraverse, but we'd never done anything with him. It was created by screenwriter and movie director Doug Campbell, who is a friend of Chris Olms, and fleshed out by Doug, Dave Ulbrick, Chris, Dan Danko, and Tom himself. Initially, he was called Ray, and he had vivid precognitive dreams that depicted a future murder. Ray would then have to track the, uh, track the crime that hadn't happened yet and stop it, usually by killing the killer. Kind of like Dexter with a bit of minority report thrown in, but created before either of those two things existed, although the Philip K. Dick book did exist. We thought it might become its own Ultraverse book, but it never quite made the cut. 
He just became a character in the Ultraverse archives that anyone who could access and use it in a story. Mike W. Barr got to him first. So, technically, Campbell, Ulm, Mason, Ulbrich, and Danko are listed as the official creators. Then Jerome K. Moore chimed in, and he says, I take the blame for the design. I was instructed to make it clear that all of Slayer's gear was store-bought and customized at home. Real sort of raw look, very dangerous. So, yeah, he looks like, you know, he got all this stuff out of, like, a, a sporting goods store or, you know, various department stores and hardware stores. He's like a badass ragman. Yeah. And, and his, you know, that's, that prophetic dream thing is sort of a little bit like Sandman, the Golden Age Sandman, Wesley Dodds. So I think this would have been a great character to explore. What a shame that he didn't get a chance to make it. Mm. So, so disappointing. All right, there's your boy Sludge. Yep. Um, can't tell who did this one, though. But. No, but, you know, there's something itching at me. Like, I know the art, but I can't place it. Lepresti, you think? It could have been early Lepresti, because it does look very, you know, character spot on for Sludge. So... What a great design. I know I keep saying this, but oh, what a great look this guy has. Sludge? Yeah. Oh, I would say the same for the next character, Solitaire. This is uh, this appears to be a Jeff Johnson uh, artwork, and he, yep. just, he just looks so sweet. I love Solitaire. So if you don't, have you ever read the Solitaire book? That, it was a new one for me since we started doing this podcast, but I love it. So definitely oh, it check is out. good, and it has an ending. Yeah, so, such a good series. Then you get Spectral. Um, that's got to be Rick Hoberg, I would assume. And from the strangers, the guy who could change his uh, all the color, he changed colors, and each color would be a different power. Sort of look like Human Torch with you know uh, rainbow skittles, a lot of skittles going on. And then uh, the squad, which was Hardcase's original, <laughs> the squad who was Hardcase's original team. And uh, that's the, the it's interesting. You know, I would have figured the squad would have got featured more heavily in this trading card series, being how they were you know supposed to be really important before the Ultraverse. But you know that's okay. So, and I would say that's probably by the same guy that drew, um, probably choice in hard case, I would guess. That drawing really makes you want to find out more about the squad. Not even a really? little bit, really. You know what, though? A lot of spandex. I Good. mean, but 90 spandex. Biker shorts. <laughs> yep. All right, we, we got to pick up the pace, man. Yep. So, uh, next nine cards. Sweet Face from The Freaks. Tech from Solution. Tinsel from Exiles. Tracks from Exiles. Verk from Exiles. War Strike from his own. Wrath from his own, Uriel from the Strangers, and Zip Zap from the Strangers. So, Sweet Face, awesome drawing by Walt Simonson. She is covered, her entire body is covered in tendrils. So, th- this is one of the rare occasions where you don't see her with any clothes on. Because normally she's wearing clothes, and you see the tendrils are coming out of them. So, this is a case where you see just her body wrapped up in the tendrils. So, nice drawing. Simonson's the bomb. Tech, who's the leader of the uh, the solution? You know, Your nice drawing group? there. What's that? Your favorite book? I I it's grown. I've grown to like it. So I really have. Then you get uh, Tinsel from the Exiles. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure who drew that one. I want to say this is a Dodson. You think so? Maybe. Just a guess. Maybe she's beautiful. So then you get Tracks. That is uh, Haynes. I think again the guy who drew the other one. You get uh, he's he's the guy who he's the tracker character from. Uh, which uh the exiles? Hey, yeah. Isn't he the? Wasn't he the leader at one point? In yeah, like, he, he was he one of the dead ones. He was the one who grabbed the girl's butt. That's all I can remember because that's you know, that, right. That's where my brain goes from so. the hospital bed or something, yep, right? Yep. yep. Next up is Verk, which from the, the the now this is the interesting thing. This character is in gets two cards in the heroes. He's listed as Outrage and Verk. And right, yet, it doesn't make sense. Right, he should. It's the same guy. They're just different personas of him. And again, I think they got him backwards. I think this is the outrage persona, and Verk is the other persona. If I remember right, so, but just a big lumbering gray thing, and he doesn't really look much like um, 
Vert. I mean, outrage. Well, he doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't look much like outrage here. That's uh, an outrage. He looks kind of Kelly though. Jonesy. That's kind of where I thank you. I was trying to come up with the name. It does look very Kelly Jonesy. Uh, War Strike looks great. Uh, really sharp drawing of him. He, he was a, started off a supporting character in Mantra and then spun off in his own book. Wrath by Ammerman, the guy who's known for doing prototype at this point. You know, Wrath being a well, he was an Aladdin agent, wasn't he? Yes, yes, oh, yes. Wait, here he says he's Barkin Research Division. Interesting, but I think it was Aladdin oh. by the end of it, wasn't it? Yes. Uriel by now. See, that does say K Jones. Is that Kelly Jones? Doesn't I could see it. I could totally see that it might. I mean, that it could Maybe. be Uriel from the Strangers, and then of course Zip Zap, and that's a uh, that's that's got to be Derek Robertson there, yeah. Because he helped design Zip Zap. Yeah, right. one of the more unfortunately costumed characters. Zip Zap? Are you kidding? I love his costume. Really? He is he is a perfect representation of the '90s, dude. He's got the backwards hat on, the sunglasses. He's got the jacket and the shirt, or or maybe that's another. Looks like shirt. he's running in pajamas. He, dude, we all wore those pair, those big puffy pants. You know, it's, no. Did we? <laughs> <laughs> Some of us, maybe more than others. But uh, this is Zipzack works for me. He works really good. Now, here's the fun thing on the back where they have the power ratings. Zipzack's power yes. rating, all of them are scratched through, and he just has speed, and he actually has a rank of twelve in speed. It's off the charts, actually. He is. He's he's a. I like that character. He's a lot of fun. They had a lot of fun with him. As they would say, off the hook back then. All right, we're going to keep going here. We're going to talk about the villain, ultra, was it ultra human villains now? Uh, you got Aeon, who was a war strike and foe of Rush. You don't hear that too often. Rush didn't even make it in the trading guard series. Rush from Freaks, the speedster. So. Yeah, it's probably best. It's a uh, pre Craig Russell artwork, though. Very nice. Very nice. Um, sort of, uh, what, what are these? Are alien? They're like, what are they aliens? Or are they other dimensional characters? I can't remember. Oh, well. Doesn't really matter. Gorgeous. They're, they're green guys. Green guys, and they're zapping a watch. Is kind of what's going on. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just moving past it, man. Okay. <laughs> Not like they had their own series. All right. Backstabber done by Howard Shaken. Interestingly enough, was used in um, Prototype as the girl who tries to seduce Bob Campbell, and then in her underwear brings out the the long nails and tries to kill him. Yeah. Her character cracks me up. I just think it's funny. She seduces guys and then kills them during sex. I think that's hilarious. So We've all been there. Oh, yeah. College. Anyway, uh, Bloodbath, one of the bad guys from Exiles and drawn by Haynes again here. Bl- um, Bloodshed was a character I wasn't familiar with. I had to look him up. Apparently, he came about in... He was a villain in Solution. And now that yeah. I remember, he was in issue number one, I think. Yeah, he was... A, yeah. He was one of the bad guys with that dealt with the... Uh, what was the group of that? The Dragon Fang Triad. He was a Dragon right. Fang Triad guy. I mean, so he's he's in you know, a big muscle-bound guy with tats, and he's got his little. Of course, cool he's got a illustration though. What's that? Very cool drawing though. It is. He's stabbing a sword into the wall, and it's actually messing up his own name. You can't see his own name. You get Boneyard, and I would say you know that is not a very representative drawing of Boneyard. Would you? He's a little more regal looking in this than he. Yeah, yeah. He actually, I think his face is far more deformed in the in the in the Mantra books. Yeah, I would agree. And I didn't realize him and Archimage were brothers. I don't remember that, yeah. but that could be true. Yeah. Then you get Book, who was a villain in the Solution, part of the Quattro, which is was cool. He's just this dude dressed in regular clothes, carrying a book around. I always liked him. You get Brood again by Haynes, another one of the uh, Exiles villains. Very, we we, we kind of made fun of him. When we did our '90s cover, our, our Exiles coverage is just being super yeah, we '90s. Did. Yeah, B R U U T. Then you get Cutback by Howard Shaken, who never appeared. Don't call it a cutback. Yeah, it's uh, it's um, it's very, it is what it is. He looks more like a hard case than uh, 
I'm sorry, Hard Kid. He looks more like Firearm than the Firearm drawing in. <laughs> I was going to say, he looks like a mix between Firearm and American Flag to me. Yeah. Is what he looks well, like. Well, he looks like a chicken guy. He's like, yeah. yeah, and he's shooting a, an Uzi in one hand and a, and a big hand pistol in the other one. And he's got sort of a gray, sort of 90s combat outfit on. But he looks a yeah, lot like Firearm. So, yeah. I wonder if that was maybe an early Firearm design that just didn't take off. Because it basically it says here he he was cut he was a cut you know he lost his job he was a cutback in the division so he became bitter and you know wants revenge now so but how weird it's like making yourself layoff or, or right exactly fired. exactly but never made it into the into the I'm redundant <laughs> look out it's redundancy <laughs> uh, then we get Death Dance who is a character from Solution and she is like a super hottie sexy character in Solution and didn't quite come together here. No, I can't tell what's really happening. Yeah, I mean, she's very bloody, and she's scantily dressed, sort of, but it didn't quite come together, so I'm sorry for that. All right, up next, uh, next page. Oh, so nice. Death Mask from the Nightman. Death Wish from the Strangers. Doc Virtual, who I thought was made up for this and never used, but actually appeared in Wrath and Warstrike. Uh, Gate from Solution. Gaunt, who only appeared in one, issue, one panel of Warstrike. Headknocker, there's Headknocker from Hard Case. <laughs> then, uh, sorry. <laughs> then Hijack, which I think is hilarious. High because it's actually H I capital J, so it's Hijack um, from uh, nothing. And then uh, you get uh, Firefall from again nothing. And you get J.D. Hunt, who is, you know, obviously a big mover and shaker in, in the Ultraverse series. Firefall uh, looks like to be Fire Lord's little brother. He's Firefall's, you know, angry, elfin little brother. Yeah, so. Again, drawn by Haynes. But we, we should start at the beginning. Death Mask is... Oh! So good. So good. Now, who who would you say that art's by? Uh, that looks like... Um, Robertson? Your boy, yeah. Probably, yeah. Because he was a Nightman villain. And here you can't see anything other than he's got a, a black, you know, something covering his face. And he's yeah, got mask. this red stylized shape around his eye. It's a D. Oh, it is a D. Did he ever and actually wear that in the comic? It's like a D and an Omega. I don't remember. I just know he wore other people's faces. Yeah, he cuts people's faces <laughs> off and wears them. It's totally sick. So, But what a great card. Oh. That was a great drawing. He's reaching at you with a scalpel. So, ugh. Then you get Death Wish, which is this very sad story in Strangers of a man, older man whose cancer oh. came to life. And the cancer is trying to kill you, everyone else. And it's uh, he, he was a villain of Strangers for a couple of times. And that's a Hoberg card. Then yeah, you get Doc... What's that? Angerheart is killing it with these villains, man. Oh, Death Wish was a great concept. Really great concept. So Then you get Doc Virtual, who just looks so badass. He's got like this giant sort of the shadow-looking outfit, like purple trench coat, giant oversized purple hat, and badass goggles. And he's like running and reaching out at you at the same time. This is one of the most dynamic cards in the entire set. I wish I knew who did this. It's incredible. And an interesting character. I didn't think he ever appeared anywhere, but again, he did appear in Wrath and, and Warstrike. And um, the the gist of it is he, he's uh, he can warp reality. So right, really. For, the, for those of you playing at home, really briefly, he looks like um, I forget the name of the creepy guy from Indiana Jones uh, from uh, Raiders Belloc. of the Lost Ark. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit. Belloc is like a badass supervillain. So yeah, if he had a uh, Red Skull's designer, um, then Gate. 
looks cooler than he ever has. Or he's, ever will. Yeah, a villain from Quattro. He's known as the fat guy from Quattro, is really what he is. <laughs> but he, here he looks, he's all in shadows, so you can't see his overweight. But he looks great. He's casting like a spell, creating a, basically a warping portal for you to walk through. Then you get Gaunt, who looks like a Kelly Jones design to me, but it's probably P. Craig Russell, I would assume, because he seems to be connected to everything else. Gaunt was tied to the earlier character we talked about, Twilight, that never appeared. And in this case, Gaunt did, as I said, appeared in one panel in War Strike number two in a cornfield, and that's it. Well so, used. <laughs> I guess so. Then um, Headknocker, again from Hard Case. He, we, we had a good time picking on him when we covered Hard Case number one. I mean, you know, he's green hair. In the comic, ultimately, he's a ponytail, but you know, he's got the upside down anarchy symbol and the sunglasses and the chains and everything. The red blades. Yep. Yeah. Cracks me up. Then we get to Hijack, which, by the way, this is the only card in the basic 100-card set I don't have. I opened a whole box and didn't get a Hijack card. So if anyone's sitting on a stack of Hijack cards at home, feel free to mail me one. Somebody hijacked your set. Oh, because I'm not going on eBay and paying a dollar for this card. Anyway, so he's a guy who, he looks sort of skull-faced and stuff, but he is, he's got to be, he never appeared. But it looks like he would have been tied to the solution because it involves the Wold, W-O-L-D, which was where um, uh, Shadow Mage is from. Yep. So I got to assume that would have been a solution character. Um, although I don't know the art. Uh, it looks, looks it, great, though. It really does. So he, he hijacks bodies of his victims, acts like a virus, he invades the target shell and sucks the energy, the very life force from the host. And you can I know see what that's the, like. <laughs> your first wife? Anyway, and so <laughs> there's a, like a husk of a body there on the ground in front of him. Ugh. Firefall, we talked about a little bit. Uh, another character that never appeared. and it, Probably for the best. Looks like a petulant Fire Lord. Yeah, it, it, he looks too kitty, too jokey, you know. So it, it, basically a guy on fire, and he's red, <laughs> yeah. and he's, he, yeah, you named it, Petulant Fire Lord. We'll just leave it at that. Then J.D. Hunt, who is, you know, the, one of the corporate douchebag bad guys of the Ultraverse. So great character, uh, makes a great foil, and there's just a nice card of him there, you know, in his suit looking menacing and angry and stuff. So it looks good. All right. Keeping it going. Got to keep moving. Lord Pumpkin. Very surprised that he appeared this early on in the trading card set, because he wouldn't actually appear in the comics for a while, if I remember right. Right? Right. He's a mainly a slug. Well, he actually he becomes a big prominent villain throughout the entire... Right. But I think you're right. I think he came out of sludge. and But wouldn't be till like, issue three or four, so that's, like, six, eight months down the line at this point. So, interesting he makes his appearance here, and he's, he's belching green flame at everyone. You get Mangle looking more dapper than he ever did in the comics. And he's wearing a suit, and he's pulling off his glove as if he's got, like, an infected glove. Mangle from, Mangle's a villain from the Nightman, by the way. And when we see him later, he, he's just basically naked wearing a trench coat. So this is this is looking pretty suave. White jacket, pink tie, black shirt. Art Adamsy. He does look sort of Art Adams. That's a good point. Thank huh. you. Thank you. Yeah. Look, at, look at the big brain on David. Then you get Meat Hook, who is from the Quattro. He's sort of... Uh, Vulk or uh, Outrage's opposite member. He's also from that alien race, although he looks incredibly cool here. He looks like a... a and he never will again. Yeah, he doesn't look this cool later on. He looks like Blackheart, the... the, the ah, yes. From the Daredevil villain drawn Mephisto by John. son. Yeah, he looks like that guy here, but he looks really cool. He's just, you know, giant savage monster face with clawed hands and just blood everywhere. And then, uh, then you get into NME... The villain who faced off against the squad, and here he looks 
not quite as alien as he does in the series. He looks a little, you know, alien being the Geiger alien. Looks a little different, you know, still mechanical with giant mouth and stuff, but looks a little different than he did in the comics, wouldn't you say? Yes, he's a far less, yeah, far less Geiger-esque. Yes. Then you get a really, really nice picture of Notch. Bad guy from Mantra who worked for Boneyard. I mean, that is, wow, that's a great shot. That's got. He actually makes you think he's going to be a cool kick-ass villain. I, he's okay. He's not bad. <laughs> no, I mean, in the book, you think, wow, this guy's going to kick some ass. And well, then, I'm reading Mantra right now, so, I mean, he's, he's not bad. <laughs> You're reading Mantra? Yeah, I'm reading some Mantra right now. Oh, look so. at you. Yeah, I know. It's a good book. So, that's got, that's got to be, I would say that's probably Derek Robertson, would be my guess, if I had to guess. I think that it is Dodson. Wow, that's a hell of a good Dodson early on, then. I mean, that's really good. All right, then you get into Glare, uh, who's done by... Um, Looks like Ammerman, probably, or maybe Haynes, but anyway, Glare from... Oh, yeah, Ammerman, that would make sense, because he was a prototype bad guy. Yeah, he was the first guy. Yep, giant green guy with a white ponytail, who uh, with a with an eye, eye fixture Glare. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just keep going. Uh, Quattro, um, which is the, the, the villain team from Solution, so that's the character we've already talked about. Then Mercy Killer, this is a Derek Robertson's drawing. And interesting, it's, 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 it's specifically Nightman related, it says so on the back, but she never appeared in the comic. So I even double-checked with our good buddy, uh, Ben Avery, our, night, our resident Nightman expert, and he's like, no, she never appeared. Her whole thing was she basically killed homeless people. So, Aw, what a sweetheart. Well, you know, it's San Francisco, so no, 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 no heart for those people. Then Stoneheart, which was another character that never appeared, and was basically sort of like a troll character who got petrified into this giant stone creature, because so, he was so mean. Well, that's a great-looking drawing, though. It is a really nice drawing, really nice drawing. So, uh, of the characters, interestingly enough, you know, we talked about alphabetical order before, maybe might be an indicator of copyright efforts. You know, like, if something's out of alphabetical order, maybe there's a reason for it. One, ones in the villains that were out of alphabetical order, Firefall was out of alphabetical order, Glare was out of alphabetical order, and so was Mercy Killer. So, very unusual. So, this is the kind of stuff that fascinates me, so... I'm such a nerd. You fascinate me, Shag. All right, Origins. This will go a lot... <laughs> Thank you. The rest of these cards, I think, are going to go a lot faster. Yep. Um, origins. This covers the origins of the characters. Characters you're going to get are Prototype, Warstrike, Prime, Hardcase, The Nightman, Solitaire, Firearm, Sludge, and Slayer. So it's all characters we've already seen in the series. And this is why I got a little confused when I was opening the cards. I'm like, oh, another Prototype card. That's weird. So, and it, it's on the back, it just goes over their origins. You know, pretty straightforward stuff. The only things that really jumped out from the text pieces is um, Hardcase mentions that he's been dreaming of the moon. So it's almost oh. like they're hinting about Breakthrough already. So, now, the thing to talk about these nine origins cards is the artwork. Yes, wow. they're very different than, well, there's, yeah. You get an extraordinary card, don't you, Shag? Yes, you do. Why don't you take this? Go ahead. Well, I you know I'm going out of order here, but number seventy-five is Prime, drawn by the extraordinary Jerry Ordway. Yep, and he's breaking chains, very Superman-esque. And then he's got a little insert uh, illustration of, of Kevin Green. Um, it's the 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 Prime illustration is beautiful. The Kevin Green one's a little, I think, off-model considering what what Kevin ends up looking like. But, yeah, agreed. Uh, so beautiful, so beautiful to see Ordway drawing a guy breaking chains. Yep, absolutely loved it. Keep going. You do it. Um, we keep going with... Oh, well, with the origins. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. So there's a Nightman, 
And uh, I think that's got a. I think it's Derek. Well, I don't know. That's Derek. That, that's absolutely Derek Robinson. It could be Derek Robinson. But then there's a really interesting solitaire, which I think is Steve Rude. Oh, there's no thinking. It is. I couldn't read the the signature on the card. Well, it's look really... at my look at my Google notes, and you'll find out. <laughs> oh, I didn't. Oh. <laughs> wow! Look look who's look who's peeling back the layers here. Prototype inside. So that way, okay. So there's a solitaire card also, and uh, I'm sorry, a prototype card by Steve Rude, who's amazing. Steve the Rude dude. Yeah, I mean these are. When I first saw these, I was like, wait a minute, those look like Steve Rude. And I couldn't believe it. So I actually reached out to uh, DePluto, who's one of our resident experts, and asked him. And he directed me to some of the original art that you can buy online, or somebody's at least got displayed online for these two cards. Yeah, sure enough, these are Steve Rue drawings. Uh, That prototype is gorgeous. And finally, Firearm by the great Howard Chaykin. Well, not finally, because you get also uh, Slayer. Remember, this is really jumps out. That's got to be Jerome K. Moore. The amount of yes. detail there. Oh yeah, I thought we had. Oh, we kind of mentioned that he was. He had the three cards, and this yeah. is the second. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's amazing how much uh, story Slayer gets. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, how, he really does. He was how much well real estate, out. and then he's just yeah. See you, man. I like that Dodson uh, War Strike. That's a nice one too. I mean, this whole nine panel page. I mean, Steve Root, Jerry Ordway, Terry Donson, Derek Robertson, Howard Chaykin. You know, that's probably Lepresti doing sludge, maybe. Um, Jerome K. Moore. I mean, wow, what a page! It's a murder row of just beautiful art. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. Next nine page, next nine cards are the titles. So these are titles that actually they were releasing for the Ultraverse. And again, keep in mind, there's probably only two on the shelf at this point, which would be Prime and Hardcase. So you get a card on Exiles, Firearm, Freaks, uh, Free X, uh, Mantra, Prime, Solitaire, Warstrike, the Solution and the Strangers. Again, confusing to me because I'm like, oh, look, another Warstrike card? Really? Why are there so many? And uh, yeah, the Exiles is... Um, I'm not sure who drew that, actually. Can't tell. But it's all the team kind of running off to the side. You get, uh, I guess, uh, you know, Howard Shaken Firearm. You get your Walt Simonson Freaks. You get your Terry Dodson Mantra, which does look very Terry Dodson-esque. You get your Bray Fogle Prime. You get your Jerry, Jeff Johnson Solitaire. Warstrike, which is a really great drawing. I don't know who did that, though. What a face. Look at that guy's face on that one. Wow. That's a level of detail that's awesome. Solution? Not that so- is Jerome. That is Jerome K. Moore on Warstrike? I want to say it is. Okay. Could be. Solution? Not so great. Um, and then Strangers, that's got to be Hoburg. Solution is very confusing because, as 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 you indicated as well, um, uh, Tech is a mouthless on the back on the back of her card. She has no mouth, which is really creepy. So again, firearm not carrying his usual gun. Also in the text, they mention on Prime his mother hitting on Prime. Kevin's mother was hitting on Prime. I don't think that ever made it into the comic. What a great subplot that would have been. Oh, but, but that Mantra card. I will say is probably some of the finest dots in art in in Ultraverse history. You think so? For him, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he does leave Mantra pretty early on in the run. Yeah. Um, I think Joe Phipps takes over for him primarily, or Dave something. Well, here, wait, I'll throw this at you because it's not signed by Dotson. Could that be a Adam Hughes? Oh, yes, because he designed her, didn't he? Yeah, look at that face. That could very well you be right. Adam Hughes. Oh, but you know, because Dotson came at, at the beginning was very Hughes and, Inspired, right? Yeah, so yeah. I bet that's Adam Hughes. Know. 
You know what? I, I want to say you're right. I like so how uh, you had, a, had an inrush of air thinking about him. I see that, so that happens. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> and then Warstrike, you know, as I mentioned here, he's out of alphabetical order, which might make sense because he doesn't start on, for almost a year later. He didn't get his own series. I mean, other characters would get their own series, I think, before Warstrike, maybe. Um, so it's interesting he still made it in here. So. All right. The next uh, nine cards, our last kind of rounding it out, are what's called the culture cards. Um, this is just sort of setting the stage for the Ultraverse universe. You get the Choice Corporation, uh, Aladdin, the super secret spy group, the Lodge, the British super secret spy group, the Entity from Breakthrough. Check that out. Um, our Arwa, um, which yeah, is, I never knew how to is, is, is again tied to Solution. I would assume because it's the Wold. Darkour, which is also tied to the Solution because it's uh, whatever. Uh, Newware, which is one of the corporations. Ultratech, another corporation, and Mothership, which is yeah. really got a lot of detail on that drawing. Now that I look at the Mothership, kind of makes sense that they left these to the last because I feel like this, these were the last assignments handed out to. Yeah, they're, <laughs> they're not the most dynamic or interesting. They're not. Somebody uh, named Eldred drew a couple of these, and Tim Eldred probably. Okay, gotcha. I mean, the, the cards themselves are fine. They do kind of set the tone for the universe. Um, things to note real quick there. You do get the Entity card and the Mothership co- card. Both are hints at what's going to happen at Breakthrough six months later. Right. The Mothership crashed to Earth? What What is that from? Is that is that tied to, like, Rex Mundy and Regina, maybe? I think that's... Yeah, I think... Um, isn't Rex Mundy in that cave that I think turns out to be the mothership? That's what I'm wondering. That's what I'm asking, essentially, because you've, yeah, you've read more so. Hard Case than I have, so I don't know. It's been a while. So, okay. We'll have to ask, when we do that Hard Case interview, we'll have to ask Hard Case. Right, yeah, well, I think he's scheduled to be on sometime soon. By the way, that noise you hear is my friend David. Oh, uh, you hear that? I'm oh, sorry. yeah, messing with his cellophane wrappers. He, <laughs> instead of sorry. putting them in nine-pocket loaders, he actually keeps, like, ten cards at a time shoved into the, the little cellophane wrappers that the cards yeah. came in. I think that's I think that's awesome. Very cool. You know what the sad thing is? Instead what? of ten packs, I have... I'm sorry, actually, I have twelve packs because of the other cards, but I only have uh, nine packs of the original of, of the first 100 cards because I, I seem to have lost 10 cards <laughs> so do you, are you like just like missing 60 through 70 yeah like, or something? Yeah, like 60 through 70 <laughs> that's hilarious and that's why not that link so that's helpful. not the word I would use that's why that link's going to be so helpful that we're giving everybody so you'll be able to see so all the cards online well that link doesn't give me my cards back I know that so um, fun thing about Ultratech Choice and Newware all of them have their phone numbers listed so if you want to give them a call you can Oh, I gotta do that. Well, they're all five 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 numbers, so they're made up. Okay. But well, that, that works. KL five. But I wonder if, like, you know, they're sort of based loosely on somebody's real phone number or something. <laughs> I don't know. It's Tom Mason's home number. Yep. Then you get your checklist card, which is how the checklist card is helpful because y- y- there's no way to tell that everything's broken down by heroes and then oh, villains okay. and then titles and culture and origins. They they have a certain color for their for their borders and stuff, and that's how one way you can tell. But there's nothing on the card itself that tells you this is a title card, this is a culture card, this is a you know whatever. So without the checklist, you're kind of like I don't understand this set. This set makes no sense to me. Once you get the checklist card, it all begins to make sense. Let's go quickly through the with the uh, through the rookie card lineup, which is funny because they're all rookies. <laughs> that's true. The whole Ultraverse is rookies, aren't they? So who but, uh, who, who is in the bonus rookie cards? Uh, our, these are the R1 series cards. Prime, Exiles, Hardcase, Warstrike, Slayer. Again, Slayer's third and final appearance. Uh, Freaks, Prototype, Zipzap, and Mantra. And what's the amazing thing about all these bonus rookie cards? Is who it did, the... Uh, the um, who did the art? Joe Gisco. 
Joe Jusco. If you want painted superhero trading cards, there's two guys you go to in the 1990s. And Joe Jusco's one of them. And who's the other one? Dave Dorman. Yeah, who did Series 3 of, of, of Ultras, so that works out well. It's yep. also Julie Bell. Remember Julie Bell? She did quite a few, right? I remember her as an art. Did she do superhero cards, though, too? I think so. I thought she did, like, fantasy cards. Maybe I'm mistaken. I don't know. I think I because think she and Jusko were married or something. Anyway. Oh, really? Okay. But Jusko, like, if you wanted painted superhero cards, you know, Jusko's the guy to go to. So he's done, he's did a lot of these. Some of, some of them are a little off-model, but uh, not much, just a little yeah. bit. But uh, they are really nice cards. I mean, it's always fun to see these characters painted. I especially like Warstrike. He looks great. Slayer looks great. Um, card so, case looks great. You think so? I didn't. I, didn't I do get like that it. One. I didn't get into that one. Okay. So mad, he's gonna punch you. Yeah, well, he is gonna punch you. And of course, Mantra looks beautiful. So, yeah. I don't have that one. Can well, you believe I, that? I looked, I looked at it online. I don't have. Oh, it I did too, but it doesn't make the pain go away. I've only got Prime, Exiles, Hardcase, Warstrike, Slayer, Freaks, Prototype, and Zip Zap. It's a big sausage fest for me. So I don't have Zip Zap. See, Zip Zap's awesome. So then, uh, then what do we got here? We got. Uh, and th- by the way, again, the, the frequency on those was you would get basically seven per. Per, per box, so seven per 36 packs you open. So then you get the bonus ultimate rookie cards, which there was only four of these, and you get only two per case, or two per box, I should say. And what a weird combination this turns out. This one was a big miss. I mean, like, for being ultra rare cards, the the art isn't it's that. Bag. It's, it's not that standout, at least on the two of them. It's funny, it's like actually, there's four cards. Yeah, two of them are not so good, and two of them are amazing. I got the two not so goods. <laughs> I got the Bash Brothers. So yeah. again, again with the Bash Brothers and Don Simpson. Um, and again, it's it's just the same as the other cards, except you get foil on it this time. And then you get I mean, it's different artwork, I should say, but it's similar layout to the other rookie cards. And then I got the Solution with foil, which again, it's the art's kind of lackluster. But the other two that I don't have that I'm jealous, Nightman by Steve Rude. Really nice. Don't have it. Nice, nice. And Sludge by Barry Windsor, Windsor Smith. Smith. The Perhaps a warm-up drawing. Yeah, I was going to say the beginning of the relationship there that probably led to Rune. So, yep, yep. And then finally you get the bonus Ultraverse Ultra Cards. There's only two of these, and there you only get one per box, and it's Prime and Hard Case. Both are by their respective artists. Prime is by uh, Bray Fogle, and it is probably... It's probably the nicest prime drawing in the whole set. It's, I mean, I've got that one. It's it is really, a joyous piece. It really is. He looks great. It is a gorgeous drawing. And then hard case. Um, I don't remember the artist, but that looks to be the guy who drew the hard case. Uh, or no, that's um, is that uh the 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 guy who did the designs? What's his name? Uh, Dave Gibbons? Is that who Dave that Gibbons? is? Was that a Dave Gibbons? I can't tell. You can't tell. Okay. That's for sure him. All right. So that that's who it appears to be. I'm so that. Friend is the cards in a nutshell. Folks, if you're not terribly familiar with the characters, uh, if our, our good buddy Aqua Rob, uh, that, this may have been a whirlwind of, of who's who nonsense. I don't know. If you are familiar with the characters, hopefully it was kind of a fun walk through all the different characters, even though we, we, we had to rush through quite a few of them. I, I love the set. I, you know, not having opened them until just the other night, I now love this trading card set. It's, uh, it makes me so happy. Two, I think, is kind of a it's it's an it's an two is a mixed bag. We can maybe talk about that in another show. And then three is uh is all well, it's all Dave Dorman. Right. So um, it it's definitely it it has a very unified feel as opposed to two and this this set. Okay. 
Well, I like the mixed. I, I prefer seeing a mix of, mixture of artists. I mean, that's not to say I'm not going to enjoy the Dave Darman set, but I really like seeing mixtures of artists on on stuff. I, I think that kind of it helps the universe feel bigger. You know what I enjoy, Shag? What? I enjoy feedback. All right. Well, let's get to it, folks. Uh, as we said, it's been a while since we've uh, done an episode, so we've got a lot of feedback stretching all the way back to um, like the the Prime, the three CD-ROM episodes and the Breakthrough episode. So we're just going to we, – we've got a ton of feedback. We're not going to be able to read every piece of it. Uh, there's just too much. You guys are just amazing with the amount of support you've given us for this show. Right. By the way, if they want to reach us, Dave, what are some of the ways they can reach us? They can reach us at ultraversepodcast at gmail.com. They can uh, reach us at uh, on Twitter at uh, ultraversepod. Nope. Uh, wait. <laughs> ultraversenet. Ultraversenet. I'm sorry. Ultraversenet. I c- I'm sorry. And I'm questioning the email address, too. Hold on. <laughs> Why are you questioning? Okay, I'll take it. I'll take this segment for you, Dave. Um, you can send us an email at ultraversenetwork Network. at gmail.com. Probably the easiest thing is you hit up our website. Go I haven't Ultraver- slept in four days. <laughs> <laughs> go to go to ultraversepodcast.com or ultraversenetwork.com. Either one will take you there. And you can go to the, the, the posting for this show, and you can leave your comments there. We'll catch them. Again, you can send an email to ultraversenetwork at gmail.com. Uh, you can also hit us up on Twitter, which is ultraversenet. Uh, and then we're also on Google Plus. Is Ultraverse Google Network. Plus. Yep, the Google the Google Plus. And we are on – we need some Google Plus support. Uh, you guys need to show the Google Plus is a thing, so you need to get out there and do something. And then you can also find us on Facebook under Ultraverse Network. So yes. Any of those places are good. All right. So, when you, so when you start off feedback. with the feedback. All right. Uh, Chris Smith uh, wrote, and he says, Hey, gang, I owned a few issues of the Ultraverse, namely Mantra, Wrath, and Rune. I didn't really care to read them, so they sat in my box for years <laughs> until, I found, until I found a 50-cent bin, which, I had, which had a few issues of Prime and the Strangers, which I picked them up. I read them and realized there was something interesting about these Malibu books, so I read the issues I already owned. I like them. I decided to get more issues to read, and now I'm reading them. Issue by issue, rotating between books as each come in the mail. Currently, I own, I own the first issue of Sludge, the first couple of Prime, Strangers, and Mantra, and a single issue of Freaks, Wrath, and Rune. I found you. I found your guys' podcast, and now I'm starting to become a fan of the Ultraverse. Well, thank you for uh, for writing, Chris, and thank you for listening. Um, he, he ends his message by saying, "Thanks for helping make. Uh, thanks for helping make me a kid who got into comics years after the end of the Ultraverse into an Ultraverse fan." That's you're awesome. very welcome. That's I, that's more than we could ever have hoped for. I know that that's uh, that's worth the fifty cents that you're paying. <laughs> and also, by the way, we're as I said, we're reading, we're we're pulling out bits. We're not reading everyone the full missive of what people write. Right. We're going to totally misquote you. Yes, we, we're going to take you completely out of context. Context. Example: uh, the next person. Yep, Diablo Frank. Now uh, you can take what he says later, but I do have a bone to pick with this man. Um, a few episodes. This is this is still David talking, not Diablo Frank. Um, a couple episodes ago, for a breakthrough episode, I, I uh, used the Queen song "Breakthrough," which is by the greatest band in the world called Queen. And uh, he has did say Queen song, so yeah. Right. Well, I just want to make. I just want to rub this in Diablo Frank's stupid face because he said stupid face. Wow. <laughs> so you must know him well if you can say that. He said, "Bummed you guys veered away from Hole for your theme song into Queen." Understandably, but hopefully temporarily, not the choicest cut. The song I kept hearing in my head was Jamiroquai's Everybody's Going to the Moon. Well, let me tell you something, Diablo Frank. That is, that, that is one of the singles off their 1989 hit album, The Miracle. It is a choice cut, and you that's it. That's all I got to say to you. It is the greatest band in the world. Freddie Mercury is the greatest vocal, rock vocalist that ever lived. 
<laughs> All right, you, you have made an enemy today of Diablo. Burn Frank. in hell, Diablo Frank. Burn in hell. <laughs> Just so you know, Diablo Frank is crazy and dangerous. He runs his own podcast called the Marvel Superheroes Podcast. He's been responsible for the Martian Manhunter blog for years, and he's been a thorn in my side for four years now over on the Firewater Podcast. So wow. um, he will actually be excited that you took him to task because he likes people doing that. So he just picked up a new enemy. You, you've made an you made a frenemy today. You have made a frenemy. So he goes on uh, still talking about breakthrough. He says, "Gorgeous George Perez has always supported independent comics with his covers, and that's swell. But I don't like it very much when he does non DC and non Marvel super people. He's so good at drawing on model corporate superheroes that when he goes off brand, it feels like slumming and looks out of place." The Ultraverse was divined, defined visually by young Turks from lower-tier Marvel titles and straight from the minors, so Perez seemed really out of place, especially when realistically portraying clearly intentionally caricatured outlandish characters like Rogue Prime. You know, he makes he makes a decent point. While the sure. Perez stuff was gorgeous, it did sort of, you know, it, it, it there was sort of jarring with some of the other right. artwork. So. I, I think we said that it was very much a departure from what the sort of and not that the Ultraverse had a house style, but it yeah. was very different than how the rest of the books looked. So it's a fair point. I think Frank must have been taking his meds the day he wrote that. So uh, We heard from John Yarbrough II on the Breakthrough episode. Um, <laughs> I guess we were talking... We, you and I went back and riffed back and forth about spoilers. And so he's yes. talking about spoilers. And he says, uh, he goes, what? Darth Vader's Luke's father? Wow, man! So... Sorry for the spoiler, yeah. buddy. So anyway, because though I've never been a fan of crossovers, I get the commercial value for publishers, but I always feel left out and lost because I don't want to buy ten different titles when I would normally only buy and read three. You know, I, I totally get you, John. Um, most uh, The best crossovers are the ones that are designed in such a way that you can get your main title, your monthly book, and still understand what's going on. I'm, I'm not one to compliment uh, Brian Michael Bendis a lot. Um, although I do enjoy some of the stuff he's written over the years, mm-hmm. I would say when he did like Civil War and stuff like that, his crossovers in Avengers were pretty darn good because they were standalone stories. They they told you what that character was up to during the Civil War and stuff like that, and they were solid one and done kind of stories. And you could read them as a monthly reader of Avengers and follow what's going on, or you could be someone following Civil War and pick them up and, f- and see what was going on. So that that's the kind of way I would say to... And, and I, I just brought Civil War up, which is just a whole inflammatory issue, so sorry about that, guys. But it's uh, uh, I felt like that was a, a good way to handle crossover. So I, I see what you're saying, buddy. Uh, I've got a Twitter comment from Randy Caldwell uh, at Misinterpreted. Mr. Perturbed. Mr. Perturbed, thank you. Sorry. Uh, regarding the breakthrough episode, uh, Jesus was an ultra... Um, was that, did that, that was you, that? that was you, buddy. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm pretty sure um, at least. I, I listen, uh, uh, it, it wasn't a problem with me, ultra metahuman deity, whatever. <laughs> um, did I say that? I said, anything? I'm pretty, well, they, they made a reference to the entity on the moon flashing every so often. Being, being Jesus? Well, that, no, that he, the, 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 oh. The the entity on the moon perhaps flashed at the birth of Christ. It was kind of hit what it was Jesus. Hit. Yeah, hit hit Jesus. So yeah. Jesus was an ultra. Was the hint? You know, was right. the suggestion. So how dare we blaspheme? Nathan Nathan Marshawn says uh, I found the full version of this of this CD romics on YouTube. I thought I'd share it with everyone. I tried to comment on Facebook, but there wasn't a place for people to post anything. But enjoy. Thank you, Nathan. Uh, yeah, you can he, find all three of them. Yes, I was going to interrupt you and say that. (laughs) 
Nathan posted all three there, so thank you for that, Nathan. And by the way, he brings up a good point. He said he couldn't post to our Facebook page. That's actually intentional. Um, the reason we do that is so that people will continue to post over at the Ultraverse Facebook group rather than just Ultraverse Network. So because that's really Ultraverse Network is kind of the hub for the for these shows and the blog, and the Ultraverse Facebook group is the one where you, you know everyone's going to post stuff and pictures right. and funny stuff. So that this is the Admirals Club. Our page is the Admirals <laughs> Club. Field. Yeah, okay. Sorry I interrupted you, David, by the way. so um, We heard from DePluto on the Prime CD-ROMics, and he just mentioned that the sound effect at the end of the Prime CD-ROMics, where Prime is, you know, where Kevin is ripping out of the goopy version of Prime as the Prime body decomposes and Kevin comes out, he says, the sound effect at the end got a little gross. And I have to agree with him. I was kind of, like, icked out. When I was listening to that Prime CD Romics at the very end with a, I was like, "Ooh, I need a shower now." You got to remember, this was in the time of the Jerky Boys. Oh. Okay, so Randy Caldwell uh, again. Uh, thank you again for writing, Randy. Uh, said that the BJ and the Bear references were quite swell, and uh, he, he never expected that. Glad I stuck around for the theme at the end. <laughs> Uh, well, thank, thank, thank you, Shag, for posting that theme, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad uh, somebody somebody caught my my love of bad '80s television. <laughs> well, we also had uh, was it uh, Eastbound and Down and, un- underneath there too. So I love that stuff. <laughs> We're from Trevor Daly, uh, who was in, he enjoyed the. the he, he, I don't really have anything specific, basically, but he just he was really enjoying the CD-ROMics of Freaks and Hard Case. So thank you for the comments, Trevor. And uh, the guy who's who's grateful for email because it's. Cheaper than a stamp. Professor Alan Quartermain wrote us and said, uh, David and the other guy, I appreciate the idea <laughs> of the network continuing to release content over the holiday season. But wasn't there another option other than the CD-ROMICS? The good news is that two times the speed on the I thing, they, don't la- they didn't last as long as they could have. I'm mostly kidding. Actually, I appreciate the throw everything at the wall theory that Malibu had in this era. The firearm VHS, TV commercials, animation, the CD-ROMs, etc. Nobody can criticize Malibu for not marketing their product aggressively enough. Keep up the good works and get back to comics, please. Professor Allen of the Quarterbin Quarterbin Podcast and the Short Box Showcase. I love how you called him Professor Allen Quartermain. Quarterbin. Well, it's Professor Allen Middleton who does the Quarterbin. But, Jesus. but Alan Quartermain was a famous, you know, sort of Indiana Jones like character. Right, I've right. made the mistake myself. I've called him Professor Alan Quartermain a few times myself. So Quartermain. Yeah. I, by the way, catch his shows uh, and uh, and his daughter's show. Actually, they're they're fantastic. Um, it's at the Relatively Geeky Podcast Network. Great. Um, I, I feel so badly for his daughter, though. I can imagine uh, what kind of birthday gift she got that had to be under a quarter. <laughs> You know, I've met them. They're very nice people. So. You know what I heard about him, and you can tell me this is true or not. Um, he said to buy a roll of two-ply toilet paper, and then you can have two rolls of one-ply toilet paper you, out of that. You're making all of this up. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't say that. I hope he's listening, though. All right, we heard from uh, our buddy uh, Max Romero, who runs the It's Plastic Man blog, and he said, I'm now reading up on the old Malibu, Malibu line. I blame... A Firestorm fan, that's me, and David Gutierrez. Uh, whoops, I said your last name. Who's that guy? Who's that guy? <laughs> David, just David. Yeah. <laughs> the inflammable David. Uh, yeah. He also said, he, he also shared a panel from an old Plastic Man comic, and he says, wanted to point out to the Ultraverse Network that Sludge wasn't the first muck monster called Sludge. Check it out, Ben Avery. When you're doing your Sludge coverage over on Comic Time Machine, I'd be better mention that. So. 
Ben. Ben, the uh, the news dealer. Scooper. Right. Ben, the scooper. <laughs> ben, the scooper. Kyle Benning, in response to our trading cards uh, episode idea, said, uh, damn it, now I need to find this hobby box of this ch- of this set cheap. Those damn 90s and their awesome card comics tie-in gimmicks. I've, uh, I've been slowly trying to compete my set of 1990s cards, especially the comic tie-ins, working on tracking down all of the 90s DC sets right now. Uh, I just picked up a Bloodlines hobby box last week. <laughs> <laughs> the most 90s of DC sets. I really wish they would have done a zero harder, zero hour and Armageddon 2001 sets. I do too. That doesn't mean you have to pick up a Bloodlines hobby box last set. Fill that void, uh, Kyle. Um, there are places you can get help. That's all I can say about that. There's services, 1-800-SERVICES and things like that. And speaking of guys who would love a zero hour and Armageddon 2001 set... Well, I just wanted, real quick, I did want to to say to Kyle, the Ultraverse sets, dude, they must have massively overproduced these, because set one, easy to find on the cheap. Oh, yeah. You can get a sealed box really easy, so don't, don't, don't. um, What's that? Do you know what a pick and save is, the store? No, but at Halloween, there were people giving away boxes of them. Um, Um, There was a, (laughs) it's kind of like a Big Lots. Okay. I never told you this. I remember I bought a mantra. It was it was a polybagged mantra one through that store. So they must have had a like a like a liquidation of those things or something like that. Well, mantra didn't come polybagged originally, right? No. This ha- oh, I wonder how. Well, so, anyway, well, a lot of times what they would do is they would work out special distribution to stores and stuff like that. Okay. Like WalMarts or Targets or or something, and they'd you know they'd make a special version or something so that it would sell in that store. And then, you know, would end up at one of those, you know, big box liquidators. Okay. That's yeah, probably what yeah. happened, yeah. So well, we were, of, you were going to make fun of somebody. Go ahead. No, I'm not making fun of him, but I know I, no, I have utmost respect for, the, for this guy who doesn't sleep. Uh, um, <laughs> Clearly you've never met him then. <laughs> but, uh, I haven't, actually. Um, uh, but a guy who would love to, to, uh, to have a box of Zero Hour and Armageddon 1 cards would be Mr. Michael Bailey. Woo! And what did he have to say? Oh, this is Jack. me. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like waiting for you to read the I'm, letter. I'm like, oh, this is I'm mine. I'm teeing this up like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm asleep at the job. I'm, I'm sitting in the golf cart drinking. Yeah. Anyway, he goes, uh, I was one of those people that lived through the 90s comic book fandom. I've seen things, man. <laughs> things. <laughs> but rarely followed books that weren't put out by DC and Marvel. I was aware of them. I mean, I read Wizard Magazine. I couldn't. Ha- you couldn't help but be aware of Image and Valiant and De- Defiant and the Ultraverse. Of all of them, the Ultraverse always looked to be the most appealing, mainly because it seemed to be a writer-centric, and I've always been more into the story than the art, though. Uh, I do love me some great comic book art, though. In any case, it seemed like the Ultraverse was more about promoting the writers, which was what appealing to my funds... I'm sorry. Which was appealing, but my funds were limited, and those Superman and Batman books weren't going to buy themselves. Now, I wish I had stuck with them. Most of the books you talked about in the first two episodes sounded awesome. Sure, I would have been... Uh, it would have been some disappointment with the line in it, but at least I would have been there. I tell you what, man, you missed some great books, but... Um, they're, they're available, readily available. In fact, last time I hung out with Michael Bailey, I put in his hand a stack of Prime comics, which I'm sure he hasn't read yet. Grr. But anyway, and he does go on to say, about your end theme, which is the theme to Ultra Force, the cartoon. Oh, he <laughs> this is back in 1999, I downloaded a bunch of comic book themes from the web and made a huge mixtape of them. One of those was the Ultra Force theme. When I played it for some friends, one of them said, That is the worst KMFDM song I have ever heard. After listening to it twice, I have to say he's still right. Um, it does sound like somebody just microwaved something and recorded it. <laughs> 
I hate to say it, because I mean, somebody worked on this, and somebody had to approve it, so I feel bad, but yes, the Ultra Force theme song is not good, which is sort of why I put it at the end of the show, because partially it's funny. Uh, Shag likes romance, let's be honest. <laughs> it's, uh, it makes me laugh, so. Uh, Michael Bailey tweeted us, uh, he said the that, speaking of themes, uh, the theme music to the Pride CD, Prime CD-ROM sounds like the music from a Super Nintendo fighting game. Yes. <laughs> We heard from Just Hicks for all. Uh, he said, can't believe I'm only just discovering this podcast slash star chamber of Ultraverse fans. Sweet! So I think that's how we should uh, refer to ourselves from now. We are the Ultraverse star chamber. Didn't they plot a murder? What was that Michael Douglas movie? Hush I don't you. Um, then I, I've got a long list of names I'm going to read. So I apologize in advance for reading a long list of names. But let me explain this to you. There are a lot of folks out there on the social media that have given us support. Uh, I'll, I'll just pick a name out here, for example. Um, Jeffrey Brown is one of the names here. This is the only time I think Jeffrey Brown's name appears in the feedback we're going to read. But he's a huge supporter of the show. So I feel like it's important enough to mention all of these folks and acknowledge their contribution. Because, you know, every everyone, if, if I've read your, if I or Dave have read your name on the show, it means something to you. You appreciate being acknowledged. And I don't yes. want Michael Wagner to not get acknowledged. You know, so, uh, so I'm going to read the list. You know, understand that it's because everybody here is part of the part of the Ultraverse team. They're all you're all part of the Star Chamber now. So, all right, this is uh, Facebook, Twitter, Google Plus folks that have given us support. Um, Barry Reese, Kane Door, Carlos Carrasco, Cash Flag, Chris Armstrong, Christopher J. Warden, Corey Hodgson, Damon Allums, Ed Moore, Eugene Booker, Evard McBain, McBain, <laughs> Gryphon Knights, Hartley Holmberg, uh, as I mentioned, Jeffrey Brown. I think that's Griffin Knights. Oh, it probably is Griffin. <laughs> Great fun. Right. Uh, Carl Brusades, Kevin Culp, Lucas Garrett, Luigi Fior, Fiorli, Fiorli, I say, I pronounce Fiorelli. it. Fiorelli. Okay, him too, both of them. M. Anthony Garrado. Mario Martin Daniels, Matthew Price, Michael Wagner, Nath- uh, Nathan Bechtold, Nathan Joseph Sitton Markand, Podcast Bump. Rob Kelly, um, what? DePluto, De Ruth Sutherland, Ryan Wing, Scott Mitchell Rosenberg. Uh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Is that Scott Rosenberg? Yeah. Like publisher of. Yeah, I think so. Oh my gosh. Uh, Sean Corey, Stephen Boyd, Sin, who goes by alias Scarecrow, TJ Merchant, Will Phillips, and William Byrne. And Stanley. No, you just made that up. I did make that up. <laughs> because Marvel's not going to acknowledge they own the Ultraverse unless they're doing a big crossover, apparently. Do you think he read any Ultraverse comics? Stan? Yeah. He was too busy writing Ravage 2099 at the time. Oh, you know what? He was probably... Was that... Uh... Did you know there were more exclamation points in Ravage 2099 number one than there was the word the? That's messed... Well, that's 90s. <laughs> <laughs> it's extreme. Speaking of extreme, wow, I think Scott it's, Rosen, Scott Mitchell. I think that's him. Well, we'll have to figure that out. But um, speaking of extreme, I think we're gonna have to go out and uh, hear the Ultra Ultra Force theme. This is for you, Michael Bailey. <laughs> Until next time, folks. Keep your keep your what, keep your feet on the ground and your head in the clouds. Stay ultra. Jump on this and screw you, Diablo Frank. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>